0: you're about to enter seventh heaven if you like this pod then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel if you're looking for extra content you can go to our youtube page or our social channels twitter and instagram our handle at seventh heaven pod again like subscribe share and we hope you enjoy the episode
1: One night in heaven, one night in heaven, heaven The soulful
0: sounds of M People ringing in your rugby ears can only mean one thing. Your celestial one-stop shop for all things Sevens is back open for post-lockdown business. This is the podcast that celebrates the shortened format of the game, hosted by myself, Bernsey. We must kick things off with an apology, because for five long weeks, you've been Bruno Mars, locked out of Seventh Heaven, Without the chat that takes you to paradise, but the wait is over because once again you've broken the defence to find yourself bearing down on the pearly podding try line to link up with two gods of the English Sevens game. Mitch is here, Chippy's here, you're here. We are all in seventh heaven.
2: I have missed, I have missed your intros more than anything else about this pod, Bernsey. I have missed those intros. Well done, sir.
3: Bernsey, I love how you you said you've broken the defences and we all, all know how useless sweepers are. So we're just straight at the try line. Straight through to the try line. Bernsey, and great pronunciation of my second name as well. Top notch intro. That, that is such
2: a missed opportunity.
3: It's Mitch. <laughs> he's going to ghost you into the corner to make the kick harder. If you're
2: running the, the metaphor, then surely that would be, is it St. Paul? Is he the guy who stands at the gates? St. Paul the sweeper? St. Peter. St. Right? Peter. St. Peter. St. Peter. Which for one Peter, is it, Benzie? Come for for on. Peter the
0: Sweeper. I mean, if we were going to talk about <laughs> this, it'd be maybe Chippy breaking through the defence. But no worries, because St. Peter Mitchell is the sweeper. But oh no, here comes Spanish Jesus to come and chase Chippy down just like he did on the series this year.
3: I've hit the quicksand. Before,
0: yeah, before we get into anything and ask how you guys are, how are you doing, Chippy? Because I see that World Rugby... Dot .es, which is the Spanish arm of world rugby has been trolling you on social media since we last spoke by replaying and replaying you getting chased down by Paco Hernandez.
3: Yeah, it wasn't, uh, it won't be going in the hat. That's real. Um, Oh, the only th- positive thing about that whole thing was that I chipped it up to myself off the floor. So one foot chip up to myself step. And then, uh, it must hit the quicksand up the, uh, up the left. Um, so thanks very much for bringing that up. Uh, Burnsy, um, yeah, it was just banter.
2: I love that. You, we, so Chip, I've got solidarity with you. We all know what it's like to get put on a viral clip of us not performing at our best. It's savage, isn't it? Because we all know that most of the time you're actually pretty quick for a big lad, but you look so slow in that video, slower than your average. Oh, it's no, so savage. I know. Do you think it's. I think it was. I'm not. Do you think it's payback? Do you think they're putting that up because it's payback for the fact that Bernsey has marked out Paco as being like this? Uh, this guy bringing the game into disrepute after his cheeky hit in, against Japan in that tournament?
3: Maybe. I think it's just just what goes around comes around. Like I, um, There's a picture that keeps cropping up of me and Jake Carter where I'm giving him the biggest fend you've ever seen and he's got a massive, I've got a big hand right in his chops uh, and he's obviously, I know Jake uh, quite well but it always pops up and every time anyone asks me for a picture like oh can you uh, send a professional picture through, I always send that one. So I think it's just the universe trying to give me a little bit back. Uh, and I'll I like, I'll accept it. If you hand it out, you've got to accept it.
0: And uh, I'm chased down by the Spanish undertaker, no less. So, mm. you know, you, you can take solace in
2: that. But I think it's important though, Chip, when you see that sort of thing, just to um, to make sure you're looking after yourself and your wellbeing. And we're actually ch- chatting to the right guy in Burnsy to look at that sort of thing. When I spoke to him earlier, he was... I don't want to say balls deep. He was well into his, uh, his well being routine. I rang him. He answered. He was on FaceTime. And then, and then he patted down. He wasn't wearing any clothes. Fine. I, I'm all for that. And then I rang him about half an hour later on FaceTime again. He's in the bath. He's not wearing any clothes again. He's got the bubbles on. He's got his Zen music. He's got a few candles on. It was lovely. And I just uh, respected that. I thought he slogged it away. A long, a long tricky afternoon at school teaching the kids. setting up games of rounders for the life of the kids. And he's come home, looked after himself, put himself in in a good position to deliver on the pod.
0: Epic game of rounders. Epic game of rounders with the year sixes today. One of the the teams got one rounder in their first innings and they were saying, sir, sir, we don't want to bother with the, the second innings. And I spoke to them about a growth mindset to always believe. Never say die attitude. 28 rounders. In the second innings, to blow the competition wide open, it was remarkable. Twenty-eight rounders. Pep talk. It's the, the power of words. What can I say? But on the topic of the bath, um, the reason I'm so zen is because I have a twenty-five kilo sack of Epsom salts in my bathroom. I buy in bulk so that I can always, I can, I can always. I don't have to scrimp on the Epsom salts. So that's a little secret from my from my world for you. I have a little Tupperware and I always treat myself to to two scoops because, you know, when you get those smaller packets, they're really expensive as well. So you kind of scrimp on the salts that are going in. Because I've got so many, I'm always two scooping. So I actually call it a Wesley, named after Wesley Two Scoops, who was the first contestant to ever complete the Eliminator in under 60 seconds on Gladiators.
2: (laughs) That is so niche. Very good. That's a guy who's been on a few game shows and knows that sort of thing.
3: He is. Because so I've got a good, I've got a good story about buying in bulk. Yeah, I, I,
2: I'm sure you'll get it in. We've only got ten minutes here, by the way, for the preamble. Oh
0: got it. yes. Always, this always happens. Um, all right, we got to do. Um, no, hang on, Chippy's I, got a story about buying in bulk. Oh, Chippy, you got a story.
3: Don't worry about it. I think it's it's a bit, It's built up. It's built up too much. Just now. give it a spin. Go hey, on. don't don't shake under pressure. I'll oh, give it a spin. Yeah, you know, you're gonna have to put it in. Uh, you're gonna have to edit it back now, aren't you? Silly bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> just creating work for yourself tell us a
0: story about buying in bulk
3: speaking of buying in bulk um Alex Gray former England Sevens current NFL player um rolled his ankle in training went home thought he'd ordered 2.5 kilos of ice because he couldn't walk and he lived on his own in a 4th floor flat came back to 25 kilos of ice and in his bath from his <laughs> from his flatmate, who went out to go downstairs, lug it all upstairs. Everyone called him Eskimo Shag for the rest of the week. Great sco- story. More of them knee slappers when I'm in Dartmouth. <laughs> 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 Where the girls are half as smart, that's twice as likely to filish me.
1: <laughs> one night in heaven. Hide. One night in heaven. Last one
0: time, one time one we said adios to you. we have had to return with a mini series exploring some less heralded yet fascinating personalities of the game but with rugby and particularly sevens in the throes of a revolution we wanted to address the gb7s conundrum and begin our olympic run for which we have some Epic guess to mark what uh, should have been the Seventh Heaven Summer Tour to Japan, but uh, we're kicking things off with a Scotsman, a Welshman, and two Englishmen: Mark Robinson and Luke Morgan are joining us in the clouds to talk all things GB. But just to give a little bit of context to those who might not necessarily be in the know is that Bill Sweeney, the CEO of the RFU, came out last week to speak about the women's game, the championship, but also about World Series 7s. And he revealed that they'd had preliminary conversations with UK sports over the possibility of them putting some funding into the sevens program. Now, presumably, this would be under the proviso that it would be a GB sevens team. Currently, England, Scotland and Wales compete under separate banners until they get to the Olympics and then they unite to create one awesome sevens force. But then they then disband and they play as England, Wales, and Scotland once again. But the conversation is now looking like: Is Great Britain Sevens going to be a full time team that we see on the World Series year in year out to create further continuity for the Olympics? Anyway, we're going to get onto that because we've got a few other little bits and bobs to get through first. Because no podcast worth its Epsom salt would start without asking what you two have been up to since we last recorded, because it's been five long weeks that we haven't been on the mic, which you can probably tell from how random this introduction is. But what have you guys been up to?
3: So I've been uh, keeping uh, little Rudy alive. He's flying, getting... Uh, he's quite big now. Um, and I've been coaching at Ride School. So uh, I've been on the Isle of Wight for the last three and a half months um, and just started coaching the last two weeks. Uh, been in a school, uh, just doing skills. Ironic. Um, yeah, no, it's been actually pretty good. Um, obviously, no one knows what's happening with Seven, so we just got to keep, keep yourself on your toes and go to get a foot in the door somewhere.
0: When it comes to you, Mitch... They say that Helen of Troy was the face that launched a thousand ships, but clearly Seventh Heaven is the pod that launched
2: a thousand media appearances. Well, actually, I'm gonna, I know you're trying to recruit Chip and come at me here, but it's actually more awkward than that, Bernsey, because I don't know if you saw, but Chippy and I were actually on a live, let's call it a webinar, seminar, together without you, which... And that's worse, isn't it? That's worse than being on separate things by ourselves. I'm sorry, you weren't asked to be on it. (laughs) But it wasn't as good as this. It wasn't a great experience for us compared to this. But I was, you know, it was with some big time people. So was pretty cool.
3: Me and Mitch both both thought we were mega mega popular after. I said, I rang Mitch. I said, hey, Mitch, uh, did you get a text? I just got a text from Lawrence Delalio after. I felt amazing. He's like, no, I got one. And so I was like, ah, same text. He's just swapped the names in. So, dear Tom, dear Rich, exactly the same message. I oh, man down. A
2: decent note, to be fair. still appreciate it. You know, could have not sent a message. Still take it. Take
3: it. Add to contacts, Lawrence Delalio or lol, as is to his friends. What well, have you been doing, busy? I was, I was
2: probably
0: too busy exchanging DMs with Carlton at the time. So it's fine. I was tied up. I, I wouldn't have been able to make it anyway. Speaking of my boy, KT, uh, the reason I was chatting to him was because I had the pleasure of watching him in action for Super Rugby Ape de Rua. And our old mate, Ben Lam, looking nice out there, looking powerful, running over a few people. But the one
2: person I really wanted to talk about was Caleb Clark.
3: Gabriel Clark. He's
2: unbelievable, isn't he? We played against him this year. He's playing for New Zealand on the series. He was very good. I think we might have mentioned him already uh, in the early days. For a young lad, extremely powerful, like real good confidence, scoring lots of tries, beating lots of defenders. And he's just, he's transferred that straight on for the Blues, isn't it? he's playing for. So... I mean, he looks the real deal.
3: Real nice guy as well. Uh, one of those um, blokes off the field who will come over and like say hello to you. And for a young lad as well, you don't often get that, especially the, like the young lads like, the t- first time or second time on tour. They're often quite shy. He just came over and said, oh, "How's it all going?" I, had a, I think I was in the drug testing with him once, you know, and you just sat there on the plastic chairs waiting to wee, and it's all a bit awkward, and everyone's waiting to wee, and you're just looking at each other. Oh, are you going to go? I'm going to go. Uh, anyway, a good chat there. Top bloke. Really humble. And it's a good story about him as well. On the um, his last uh, the last game they played, his grandfather died and they found out his grandfather died in the morning and then he went out and tore it up in the evening. Um, so yeah, like obviously pretty resilient bloke to be knocking around after that and putting in a performance like that.
2: Yeah, I saw that because he spoke about it in the interview in the post game and I just thought it was so cool that he was just really open, honest and real about it. And he got a bit upset, like understandably. And it, was, it just felt so authentic. And I was like, for a young guy... You know, on this on a big stage like that, that's pretty cool. I, and that was that was as enjoyable as his rugby, to be honest.
3: I tell you, what else was um, who else was up after that game? Gregory, you know, the uh, the curly haired guy from New Zealand oh, sevens man, for the fullback howler. for the other team. Off he had a howler and a couple of times the kicks went up and uh, Clark was chasing it and um, Gregory dropped it and then Clark smoked him and he bumped him over for the try straight over him. Oh God, that's gritty that. Mitch, uh, strap in for when me and you face each other.
2: Mate, I was going to say like those Kiwi boys are probably used to playing each other a bit because obviously they do a lot of club rugby, but it must be so tasty. All the all the chat beforehand, what goes on, because Bowden Barrett got quite a lot, didn't he, when they played the Hurricanes? uh obviously his old team that was class and they were giving him shit all game and i was just thinking like that might happen in the in the sort of near future if, if any of us end up playing a bit of 15s we end up playing against each other it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty tasty isn't it
0: as per usual we've spoken about ourselves at great length and completely forgotten that we are first and foremost of rugby sevens podcast and i'm not saying we called it but we did weeks ago and we're gonna circle back to it and just touch on it because it deserves recognition particularly for our good friend of the pod, Stuart Dickinson. (laughs) New Zealand Sevens, officially crowned champions of the 2020 World Series. The Black Ferns as well, absolutely peerless throughout the series. Well-deserved champions. They've been crowned also. The big news, I guess, is that Wales won't be relegated. There'll be no relegation from the World Series this year. But... Japan will be promoted, which means there will be no challenger nations featuring in the twenty twenty one series, which is a bit of a shame in my
2: eyes. But I guess the best decision in world rugby's eyes. What do you think, boys? You've always been one for the for the underdog team, haven't you, Bernsey? Because always, exactly. It's probably because how you feel in this environment, I guess, when we when we record. But. Um, you know, I, I, fair play to New Zealand. I think it's, I don't think there'll be many people complaining about that. I mean, maybe South Africa, who were second, but um, they would have been hoping to have a late charge. But New Zealand looked pretty steady. I can't imagine too much would have gone wrong for them in the last few tournaments. So so fair enough with, with the circumstances. I think it's nice to recognize that. Um, really pleased Wales are staying up. The big contentious thing for all of this is making it, It looks like it's making a closed shop, bringing Japan in for the series. The reality is, we don't know what next year's series is going to look like, unfortunately, with the virus still floating around. So, um, whether that actually hasn't, has an effect, we don't know. But a part of me thinks it's great because you want the, the Olympic nation host to be in there, you know, but is it unfair to some of the nations? I think it is.
3: Yeah, it is a tough one because you never know what's going to happen. Like that's the beauty of the Challenger Series. Like you never know who's coming out and Japan won that tournament didn't they score in the last in the overtime when it was nil-nil they won the the tournament 5-0. 5-0 5-0 at the time, so it wasn't like they were smashing teams. So who knows what could have happened, but what's done is done. There's no point dwelling on it now. Yeah, fair play to New Zealand, Mitch. It's not like they fluked winning tournaments. They were consistently in the finals and consistently one of the best teams this season. So uh, tip of the slipper to um, New Zealand. Yeah,
0: I'd say no arguments, New Zealand. I would say one thing, though, that uh, making sevens a bit of a close shot for 2021 goes against all the goodwill and... Desire to elevate the emerging nations in the World Rugby Chairman elections that we recently underwent, but say, lovey, and but having said that, Japan were basically a core nation on the series. I think Korea was the only other team to feature, and they were run over in Los Angeles. Right, let's get our guests on, shall we? One is of the rarest breeds of Scotsman on the planet. A man who's tasted victory and lifted silverware at Twickenham, having mastered the London Sevens in his final years, representing his nation that he scored 48 series tries for, but capped his career alongside those English foes in a GB jersey winning Rio Silver. While our other guest is a Welsh winger who crossed the try line no less than 44 times in the 2018 series. That's only four shy of what our other guest achieved in his whole career. And were it not for a cruel injury, he'd have likely been on that plane bringing back an Olympic medal Also, He's now tearing up trees for Ospreys and has a Welsh 15s cap to add to his many series bows. Luke Morgan joins Mark Robertson in 7th Heaven.
1: One night in heaven,
4: hide, one night one one night one How is the
1: podcast?
4: Good,
5: how are you, It was alright, no, so now. Hi, no, no bar, no bar. No bar, no, bar, no bar. Well, Mitch, Mitch asked me to do this about two days ago, so I was literally in the past two days, that's all I've been doing is watching podcasts, so...
2: Well, firstly, let me. I'm going to come out of a slightly different question to kick it off. Do you lads miss it? Do you, do you miss a bit sevens? I know, Robbo, you've moved on from playing, but Mugsy, you're doing fifteens. But do you miss the seven stuff?
5: Yeah, you do. It's probably the question I guess asked, you know, all the time, like from players, coaches. Oh, do you miss sevens? And it's something you do. Yeah, you know, you miss. You, it might be hard. You miss the flights. You know, you miss you miss going to the airport with the boys. You miss the long the flights. You know, obviously the weather helps stuff like that. And just playing in the crowds that we did, like, you know, is you know Dubai crowds in the night games, stuff like that, is, is pretty special. Like, you, can't really, you can't really explain it to people, really. But, uh, yeah, you definitely miss it. But I think I got to a stage in my life where, you know, I kind of just wanted to move on, try something new and went into the fifteens game then. So And you're crushing it, mate. Worked yeah, out, right we <laughs> Worked out <laughs> all right for you. Worked out all right for
3: you, I taught you See, since that GB cat mugs in I taught you all you knew but I told you just listen if you slam the brakes on real quick and come back inside then you do
4: alright
5: definitely score a couple of tries against you boys like
4: that tonight <laughs> hey not against <laughs> thank God wasn't that
2: what about you Robo?
4: mate it's a funny one the thing I don't miss at all is the training towards the end I hated the training like because sevens are so different that you have to get used to Just being in utter pain like physically in terms of lactic acid whatever you're always going to the max but probably the thing the thing that i miss that you don't get working on a normal job now is the not knowing so you know you go you go to a tournament you've maybe done your preparation for your four weeks and the excitement of of not knowing how it's going to go and you know obviously as a scottish team it goes low a lot of the time but we were fortunate enough uh last in the last few years especially have a lot a lot of good a lot of good tournaments and you miss you miss that feeling of coming off the pitch having had an absolute belter or a or a or a shocker. You know and that those sort of, those emotions you obviously it's not great when they're low but I don't think any anything can replicate sort of winning. You win winning, winning a big game or Like even playing against you boys, always really enjoyed playing against you boys. We were fortunate in the last couple of years to get a fair few scalps as well. But you know, you miss, that's what you miss. You miss the winning, but you also miss the losing and the coming coming back from that a little bit. Uh,
3: You were part of that team. The build-up throughout the years of that Scotland team that you were a part of with some like really good players coming through and like coming right into your peaks just before the Olympics and in that Olympic year. What do you reckon it was that made you guys tick like on the pitch, uh, what was like your point of difference? And then a second question is, what was it like playing against the English team? Because whenever we played against you, you lads looked like genuinely like a different outfit. Your puggy was right up, you're flying, you're flying into everything and you just looked, and I'm not like just saying this, you looked like a step above where you were in any other game. So what kind of,
4: can you put your finger on what it was? I think the, the year before we won the first one, probably the biggest difference were just different coaches, mate. You know we were doing the same same thing week in week out and not really getting any any changes but the guy Callum McRae and uh, Nick Lumley S&C coach put real accountability on us so we never really had KPIs like uh, like o- objective KPIs and something and to hold ourselves accountable before and and they did that but also um the old, the old saying you might not like it in the podcast, but you can only piss with the cock you're given. <laughs> you know, and in terms of we, we we were we were given some good ones towards the latter end of the season. In terms of we had some cracking cracking players with us. You know, George yeah. George Horn George Horn being one of them. The, we had D- D- Damien, uh, Damien Hoyland the year that we won um, the first year that we won. But I think that was the biggest problem initially when we always had a fair few victories against you boys i think we we put too much emphasis on on the emotional aspect against you guys whereas in the last year it became like any other game you know it wasn't we didn't get we didn't get too excited about it. you were, it was just england were another team and you just you just approached it the same way as you did any other team and i think that's why especially at the start of the season towards the end we got a lot more consistency and uh, and obviously we we're in semis and finals and, and won that last that last tournament but we talked about the emotion i don't know what you guys think about it but the the emotional roller coaster as players is what you want to get away from and you want to stay on that sort of that level level headedness because this it it's already such a brutal weekend the semis you want to conserve as much energy as possible and going back to the, like, for example, the French or even even the Welsh, like, I don't know what you think, Mogsy, but the Welsh and the French are kind of like that a lot. They'll have a big win and then they get too excited or they come down and they have a bad loss and they get really excited and have a big, have a big reaction. But in sevens, you can't afford to do that because you've only got an hour or two between, uh, between, between games and you can't get back to that same level. That's, that's my, my opinion.
5: Yeah, I think that's something that we suffered from. It was just a uh, roller coaster, you know, like we'd have like one good game kind of thing, and then it's you back up playing in like two two hours or something, and it's trying to get back up to that level, and then you know it's, it's that's the game of sevens, I suppose. It can it's no guarantee winner is it? It's, like especially like Spain the past few years, like they've been coming through and they've been doing great. You know, you wouldn't really expect them to be doing good, but
3: some quick lads there though, Moxie. So. <laughs>
5: Source <laughs> subject, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like like what Robo said, just that roller coaster. You know, it's like you say, you've got two hours between games, and it's just trying to get get back up for games, and you know, try and get the wins. And it is like a, a roller coaster of a, of a weekend, but something you do miss. So something you mentioned,
2: Robo, already a couple of those guys you played with. And coming into the nitty gritty conversation, which is the reason we've asked you to come on the pod, is that some of those boys that were in those teams, Robbo, with you, have have gone on to play high level 15s um, and various, you know, in Scotland and abroad as well. And Moggsy, you're obviously case in point, someone who's done sevens with Wales and and gone on to 15s. So let's get bang into the nitty gritty of it. Initial thoughts when you saw the press release or you saw it was in the news that there might be a GB sevens team going forward that might replace the home unions.
5: Yeah, I mean, obviously there's pros and cons of, of it really, but I think coming from, you know, Wales 7s and having so many boys that have gone into 15s and used it as a stepping stone or, you know, perhaps being there for numerous years like myself, it's, it's a bit of a shame really because you've got boys that have come through It's such a big, it's a learning curve, you know, like I went into the 7s system when I was like 19, 20, stayed there for five years, and I can honestly say, if I wasn't in that sevens program, I would never be where I am now. Like it's, it's given me so much confidence, skill level, speed, you know. So when I hear that, it's a bit like, yeah, it's a bit gutting, you know. It's a bit like, and obviously, squad sizes where you might be taking regions, um, Wales, Scotland, and England, where you know you have got twenty or so players or whatever down to one team. So there's going to be so many boys there. Are on that verge of being in that GB squad or, or not and they're going to be missing out which is a bit of a shame to be
2: honest but Yeah, I think that's a massive valid point is how do you how do you actually increase the player pool through make if you're going to make a GB setup yeah. because you don't want to create fewer players playing the game at a decent level so I mean what I, the way I envisage it and I don't there are so many ins and outs to this we won't be able to answer all the questions on this pod in the next bit of time but why can't we still have home union sevens teams that operate maybe in FIRA, um, other competitions that go on during the year? And maybe not all year, because those boys probably combine it with some 15s as well. So you're kind of having that development element for them as well. And it, it stays within the union pathway. But you've, got, you've still got an elite GB team. And then that GB squad gets fed by those kind of home union sevens teams.
3: It's a tough one, isn't it? Do you put, where do you put the elite GB team? Do you put them on the World Series? And then do the, do the Wales, Scotland and England Sevens suffer by not being able to perform on the higher, higher series or not? Or do you put them in every couple of tournaments? And then what's that do for leagues like rankings and what's that do for consistency of team? And It's, it's a tough one. And Moggy, like your point on the, um, on the not getting played, I think that's what kind of worked so well for us in the lead up to the last Olympics was the two teams the two teams allowed that whole squad to get game time to get to be playing to be seen to to have to be have an active part in your own selection so that's why the lads who got got picked like got picked because they played so well and cuz they had the opportunity whereas who knows if it was just one team would would like would you have had some of the lads who have gone going, or would have p- people have just been picked on opportunities and previous stuff?
5: Yeah, it's like, that, like I say, a lot of people would be missing out with me. But go back to Mitch's point there. Um, that's the first I thought about that really having like maybe the Wales, Scotland, England playing in like you say a Fira, or if there was you know a, a lower tournament, and then having a GB in the in the series, which is obviously the ultimate kind of thing, you know, GB. And I think going from the last Olympics how the boys done so well, you know, silver is something that I think they would probably have to be on the GB, on the series. Um, but yeah, I think would, that would definitely be something that would probably look at like in potential if, if it did happen. And like you say, you've got that big goal then to try and get in the GB squad. i am got to be honest, I don't really see the
4: pros of a, of a GB squad in the series at all. Like, uh, I think you got to, you got to look at the purpose of each of, each union. So England's England's purpose of why they put a sevens team in the series is very different to Scotland, very different to Wales. I mean, Scotland's main, main purpose is firstly to, to, to give a, another opportunity to develop players. We've only got two pro teams in Scotland. So essentially you've only got, what's that, 46 players playing pro rugby. Every weekend, yes, there's players in France, although and in England but very few. So the Scott the Sevens is such a valuable tool for us to get youngsters through playing really competitive rugby, but also it's a shop it's a shop window for them. And because it's on the World Series, you know, the 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 club coaches are also watching them. And it's a high level of competition. So he can he can justify and give merit to, to giving these players opportunities in the pro teams. I think if they'd gone to doing it in a Fira, or a European sort of league, you know yourself, guys, the the, the standards are so much lower, the intensity, of the competition, is so much lower. Whereas you look at England and now. Where's the incentive for their for the for them to to pay for a for a sevens um, team, which is tough for you, for in terms of for, for you guys, but when when I when I look at it, you've got however many teams in the in the English Premiership, so there's not a problem in terms of development pathways because you've also got the Championship there as well. So from an English perspective, in terms of the union, I think they see right the GB is an opportunity for us to still develop our our best English sevens players, Um, but it's being paid for by Scotland, England and Wales. Whereas Wales are probably more similar to Scotland. You know, it does, it provides another opportunity where they've just got the three or four teams. It's another pathway for players to express themselves and maybe find some hidden gems.
3: But I th- I think that's where England again it can getting it a bit wrong. Like I feel like England should be pushing it more um, for younger lads who aren't getting that opportunity in the first team squad. So lads who are sitting in academies, uh, who are like like you and you, st- you started nineteen years old. How many people had you played in front of when you were nineteen? Like down like hundred down the, and then you gone to going to Hong Kong. You are playing in front of fifty thousand people. Like you can't you can't do you can't do that in the A-League you can't do it in in the Championship and there's only one way to see if a player is going to like crack under pressure is by putting him in that scenario so I feel like that England should be pushing flooding uh, young academy players into the sevens just to make them more professional get them out on the big series as you said doing like similar to Scotland uh, and then pushing pushing them back out and not have that sevens as like a rolling in and out, have it more fluid rather than... I can't, kind of think, like obviously me and Mitch have been in the programme for however long now, five, six years for me, a bit longer for you, Mitch. But I feel like we'd like the people who have been keeping the programme together, but I feel like there should only be a couple of us and then she'll be in and out for the young lads, just to development. Like how many... Like we were chatting before on Burnsy, what was it? How many people had come through... Wales and Scotland sevens that have played internationals, and we were struggling to name two or three that had come through recently in the recent years to, to play, gone on to play for England. Yeah, we're
0: trying to brainstorm Jack Clifford, but like obviously, other than Rory McConachie, that, that bloke Rory, yeah, god, yeah, our yeah. top listener,
3: <laughs> <Go on>. <laughs> Rory, Rory <laughs> McConachie, but he's, he's Scottish anyway. <laughs>
4: He'd have made the Scotland team years ago, you yeah. know. Yeah. Easy.
1: One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Is there
2: something in the in the ability to develop players within a GB setup as well? I guess that would be my question. Now, I think obviously there are fewer players who would be involved, but on the flip side, and, and I'll, I'll chuck you this one, Bravo. As a potential pro of the GB thing, is that aspirationally? it's great for the sevens game because in theory, you have a GB squad that's probably going to be better funded than all the home union squads are currently. In theory, it's going to perform better in the World Series. So potentially your World Series tournament winners, medal winners at, at the Olympics, things like that, which is going to put the sevens game in a better light in Great Britain. Um, draw higher caliber draw higher players. Draw higher caliber players. Young boys and girls would be like, I see that and I want to be a part of that success. I want to play sevens so you're getting it from the kind of grassroots up in that respect. Well, I don't know. Would you be able to shift the mindset of some of the 15s clubs? And I'm talking a lot about the English clubs here to be like, okay, that's a really high performing environment. We'd really benefit from getting some of our youngsters into that and, and developing them. And then, I don't know, it would obviously happen to fewer players because it's going to be one squad rather than the three separate ones. But do you get better quality out of it overall
4: long-term? Do you get more players into the game? I think I, I don't think you get more players into the game. I'm going to talk a bit from a Scottish perspective because there's fewer players playing. That's the biggest thing for me. So, a question would be: How big is the training squad? How big is the training squad? Because you can't afford to have any more than, to be honest, probably 18 full-time players. Because then, how can you justify leaving more than that at home and paying yeah. them for a full year and potentially playing, you know, 30 minutes of rugby? Over the, course of a, over the course of a season and that's where I think the sevens has to be very careful now too because even Scotland you guys had tournaments last year where you were playing four if you were not going through to the later stages you're only playing four games so we had guys that were going out and they were literally playing five, five minutes of rugby because you've got tight games you know and for, it's the same as you, Mitch when you, when you play regularly you'll play 14 minutes in a game so, so you're hogging the bloody ball, mate. Not you're not giving other people me. a chance. <laughs> just like me. <laughs> you're you a bit like me, Chippy. Seven minutes max. Off you come, mate. Off you come. Ten,
3: mate. ten, 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 ten uh, Ten. It is a
4: it is a really it's a really compli- complicated question, um, but I just I can't see how how it can how it can really benefit the game because there's just so so few players you're you're exactly bang on. How do we how do we make it attractive, not just for the clubs, because the Scottish clubs see it as a rule benefit for their their players that maybe aren't getting game time to go back, as Mugsy said, get some confidence, especially back three players, score tries, get their hands in the ball, get back to playing rugby. But in, in contrast to that from a perspective of just having gb then we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to do that you know because there's no guarantee you get the players would get would get game time
2: yeah i think you're 100% right it relies on there being some sort of lower tier competitions and and we have seen those cropping up more and more like the dubai invitational is is like almost a um an international yeah shout out <laughs> to burns Z with this <laughs> out in a minute um, but that's a re- not when Bernsey won it, but now it's a really high level competition. It, but you, you need good second-tier comps like that, like the Oktoberfest competition where you're getting international teams using it. So I guess that's what you'd use your that's where you'd blood your, your kind of your second team GB squad or whatever, the players who weren't playing. But there's not enough of that, I agree. And and this is where it needs to be built. So I'm gonna just to chuck another thing in. I know Chippy and Bernsey are both gonna jump in, but getting sevens more into schools, universities, because that's another way of actually bringing more players into the game until you actually start doing that. It doesn't matter where our top level sevens players are if you're not going to kind of boost it with people coming up through the ranks.
5: Yeah, I think that's, that's a good point. Like, obviously, you know, the invitational sevens that you play is, is probably what? It's like a eight-week window in the summer, isn't it? You know, all the boy you mates going off playing Bournemouth sevens, stuff like that. It's like an eight-week window Is where you compare to to the 15s game, is you're looking at, like, an eight month like, a season. So I think if they had started to pin that, like, a bigger schedules, you know, like, try and get into throughout the season um, rather than just having, like, a, a few weeks in the summer playing it. But, and like say, getting into schools, colleges, stuff like that, rather than just, just the 15s game.
0: Yeah, Luke, I got... Oh, oh fell off my chair. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, Luke, I got, I got, so. I got to ask, right, from where I'm standing, Scotland are heaping more and more importance on their Sevens programme on player discovery, player development. And Wales have always used it in the same fashion, yet they seem to be funding it less. You've got less full-time players and you're bringing in a lot lot more part-time players. I just don't understand why that is because I think of Wales Sevens from an invitational level. It's such a hotbed. You have so many awesome invitational sides. You boys absolutely love it over there. And why do you think that is that there's less importance, from what I can see, on on Wales sevens at the moment. Less full time players or less investment.
5: Mate, that's seriously something that a lot of us past players have been banging our heads together for the past so many years. Like we see it as such a big stepping stone for players coming through. Like say, getting your skills up, everything. And we've got the potential there. We've got you know we've got four four regional clubs, but the amount of sevens that could get played from the younger blood coming through. And this it's something that we've been asking ourselves for the, literally. Like, I think I, I came in when I was like twenty and perhaps had about fifteen core boys then, and then since then it's just been dropping, dropping year by year kind of thing. I think last year it was something like four core boys that was in the Wales 7 system. It's just it's just nowhere near where it should be. Like you're asking us to compete with yourself, like you know the English boys. Uh, where what, what what have you got boys in your squad?
3: I think, it's eight, I think it's 18 to 20. That's what it?
5: I mean, like there, you know, your New Zealand team, stuff like that, South Africa. I know you can't really you can't really blame the boys for doing so poor because they're trying to get boys in from regions. You've got like a two-week camp and it's just like, right, there you are, boys, there's chuck a ball around kind of thing. and
3: All the yeah,
5: best, like give it a go. It's, it's just not, well, it's, it proves it wasn't working. For over the past two or three years, it hasn't been working. And that was purely one of the reasons... Why I came out of the sevens game really because I saw where the Welsh system was going in regarding sevens and it just obviously wasn't wasn't very good. So uh, I just don't see why they won't progress it and put put more funding into it and see where it went. But it's a shame, did, really.
2: Did you see that pattern, Robbo? I mean, I know that you were involved when they almost canned it completely the program up in Scotland in the the SRU. Did did you see like the ebb and flow of like investment in the programme? What was that like?
4: Yeah, I think it's, it's a balance, mate, isn't it? I think that's, that's a thing at the moment. You look at the, the Welsh, for example, and you can understand why they're doing it. They're popping as many players in as possible to give them that little bit of exposure. But in all honesty, it can have a detrimental effect. You guys know yourself. So, I mean, you came out actually remember you coming on me. you was different. You were in a team that was performing at the top and you, got a lot of, you get a lot of confidence from that because you get confidence from winning. And instantly, you're a young player, you come in and you're competing against the best teams, you're beating the best teams, you get a lot of self-confidence. Whereas these players from Wales are coming in and often they're not winning a game. And yeah, they might score a try or two, but you don't get a lot, an awful lot of confidence unless unless you're winning and really performing as individuals. And I think that's where we were the... The opposite end of that, for a period of time, where we had probably too many core players, but core players that weren't at a high enough level to enable us to compete and beat the best teams, and because of that, we couldn't justify carrying on the program. And he actually came into us. He came in the, the 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 boss came in and said, "Listen, if you don't win your next three games in Hong Kong in 2014." There's no sevens programme. This was going into the last day. There's no sevens programme. Fuck have program. you not you've not, got jo- you've not got jobs. You know, he came in the team room and said that. we went. Sports and won, Psychology won the, 101 right there. Yeah, I know. Right. And we went and won the ball. But we kind of knew that we had to change things. And that was the thing with when Kitty came in. Cal McCree was pretty harsh, but he got rid of quite a few of the core players and that was where the balance, I think we had probably five or six core players and the rest were made up by youngsters, but also guys coming in from the pro teams. And that's where that, that, that balance, I think we got, it, we, got it just, we got it just right. And I think what you were saying there, Chippy, as well, uh, you want to flood youngsters in, but again, you got to get the balance right because you don't want to flood youngsters in, throw them exactly. into this, throw them in this environment that's bloody brutal in all honesty and get, and get hammered. And that's where you guys have got such value because you can you've got so much experience. You're also top quality, consistent players. Um, they feed off that. They learn a lot from it. They get a lot of confidence, and they can leave the program in a better place. Whereas the, are the Welsh players leaving the program in a better place at the moment? I'm not. I'm not too sure
2: no and also you run the risk of getting relegated like we've you know Wales got away with it this year but they really struggled um, and as you say Mogsy like through no fault of the players really like enough, uh, it's really tough for some of those boys who are trying to hold the team together um, when it's constantly changing so if they get if they'd got relegated this year what do you think would have happened to the programme honestly yeah I think
5: it would have been scrapped to be honest because I couldn't couldn't see them the WIU funding money to play, like say playing the FIRA and stuff like that and if I'm honest I, I couldn't see imagine the boys you know like Luke Trehan obviously he's got he's got a doctor um, certificate and all that so I couldn't see him thinking oh I'm going to dig in for this year now or or the next two years to try and get them back up because I, like why should he sacrifice that when WIU aren't really sacrificing the money where they should really um, so yeah I think if, if they did come out of this year then I, I think that would have been the end of it to be honest I would have think they would have scrapped it Seems so crazy. Seems
0: seems so crazy with success stories like you, Sam Cross, Corey Allen in recent years for them to, then not recognise the good in it. There's
3: so many lads who've played for Wales who've come through the sevens. Oh so there?
5: like so many, so many boys. Loads. Over the past, loads and loads and loads. Yeah, over the past, you know, like five, ten years there has been there. You know, there's probably pretty twenty odd boys that have come come through and, and played higher levels kind of
0: thing. You know. So just coming back to GB and Scott Hastings this week said it's Barbarians ethos. They come together and they can still match other teams. I want to ask you guys, do you think that the success that the GB team enjoyed at 2016 has warped people's perceptions
5: of what can be achieved? Uh, Yeah, I think obviously the the success that they had in Rio, obviously, you know, it's it's first so thing you think oh yeah well they've come together once and they've got a silver and they've done so well w- w- like what, what's stopping them doing that again kind of thing why, why can't they do it yeah. again yeah um, yeah I think that's got a big a big factor to be honest like obviously if they came you know didn't even place sort nothing back in Rio then you'd be thinking well what's the point you might as well just keep these, these three three international teams and just let them plod on as they are or whatever
2: as players and um, Robert, I want to get you on this and I'm not I'm going to try and drag you into saying it's a good idea but purely as players, surely, like we all experienced what, how high the standards were during that training with all the combined squads, the best players in Great Britain coming together. Like, don't you crave that as a player, being part of that and knowing that that could be something that competes for gold medals in Olympic Games, in on the World Series, wherever, and being part of that all the time?
1: I, I don't know,
4: mate. I thought I thought it was really, really special, you know, and probably more so. Like more so, there was the six the six weeks leading up to it. It was so so unique, and that's where I mean, sport. It's not an exact science; it's an art, isn't it? And it's so subjective. We you could have you could we could have had like four years preparation with the same team, and we might have been knocked out earlier. We might not have performed as well. And that's where I, I have to say, I thought I thought Simon like he thought about so many things in the lead up to that even his preparation the little meetings that we had and putting on the board in terms of all the perceived negatives of the squad you know if you remember he put all the little highlights newspaper articles showing all, the, all what people had said the negative comments about it and he turned them all into positives you know he showed the strengths of each individual he talked about how are we going to react if you're not in the squad because we've got to pay, play another another tournament you know, he, he he turned over, like, so so many stones to make sure he covered all the bases. And I think that it was so competitive, as you'd said, Chippy, beforehand on that lead up, everybody was so game-hardened and robust, but ready to play and champion at the bit because they'd had this opportunity. So I think the the recipe that um, and the preparation... I think mainly due to Simon that that created a created a, an environment that was just it was destined for some sort of success anyway and big and big victories in in, in my opinion. Robert, are you fishing for a job as the head S&C coach
2: with, uh, with GB, if Simon's head coach?
4: <laughs>
2: nah, nah. I'll
4: tell, tell you something. If we did, if I didn't do it, we wouldn't be doing a Bronco every Monday morning. No chance. Yeah, nah, nah, <laughs> a Bronco every Monday morning. I didn't have a... a, a like, I couldn't sleep during the bloody weekend. Horrendous. <laughs> Just it. And Robert, by the way, not to put up saying that he did a 5K in 21 minutes. That is absolute rubbish. He was laughing.
2: Person and then there was Broncos in that summer. Bernsy, coming back to what you said, because I I got drawn in to that comment because uh, it was on Twitter, wasn't it? It got put out, the Sky Clip. And I I replied to Scott and I was just like, look, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's a valid argument. There are loads of valid arguments of why GB is not a good idea. But I don't buy into the, the argument, which I know you're kind of getting at there as well, Robbo, that... I think now we've moved on from Rio. Rio was the first time and there was an opportunity for GB to get one over on the other teams because we had a very unique preparation. And I think, and as you say, Simon did an amazing job in delivering that. But I think teams are wiser now and the top teams that have the backing have will benefit from the four years building up. They will benefit from having a year leading in on the series. They'll manage their squads properly. They'll understand about, you know, throwing players in from 15s late and things like that. And, And it's pros and cons. And especially if GB don't have that opportunity to play together, like you said, Chippy, which was so valuable for us, wasn't it? Like playing those four tournaments, whatever it is, was awesome fun as 100%. Well, but such good preparation. We were, we were the best prepared team there in terms of, of match time. That won't happen every year. In fact, I don't think it, would, it probably won't happen again.
3: What? If it had happened, if the Olympics had been going on this year, I think the turnaround from the end of the season, that the boys weren't going to be playing in Paris. And then the turnaround was, was it like four weeks or five weeks until the boys... Until the boys flew, so like you tell me that tell me there that you're gonna get fitness in, you're gonna get you're gonna be able to push the lads in fitness and get four tournaments every weekend. The boys would break. You never know, you would would never have got it. Also, in. Also,
2: we were facing the dilemma that the Welsh boys were probably going to be fighting out for relegation in London and Paris last yeah. two tournaments, giving it their all to try and keep their home union and team alive, and trying to hold out for uh, and play for a spot in the Olympics. You know realistically, probably not wanting to play those last two tournaments, or at least not both of them risk game injury late on um you know fatigue and stuff so close to the games so it was a bit of a it would have been a bit of a nightmare for loads of players yeah so mark, just leaning on what you said about
0: how unique and how special that build up was to two thousand and sixteen what is the, what is the pinnacle of a fifteens player's career in the home unions It's playing for the lions isn't it why can't GB at the Olympics be the pinnacle and you come together and you lean on the romance of that one opportunity. You make it that much more special to play for GB and you tap into that emotion and maybe you put a bit of the science, you put a bit of the, the four years preparation to one side and you bring together a group of men and you just hope for some magic alchemy over six weeks prep and going to a foreign
4: country and coming back with a medal. I think so. I do think so. I think now it's not like any, any other tournament, but it's a bit like when when you guys, you you know, yourselves, you go to the World Cup and you go to the Commonwealth Games and in in all honesty, it's, you're playing against the same teams, you know, you're playing against the same teams, you're probably playing in a, in a smaller stadium, you know, with, with a smaller crowd as we did in Rio but there was, some, I know you've got the unique, uniqueness of being in a multi-sport competition, and that there was awesome parts about that. But that can have a negative impact on your performance. But there was something this really unique and special, and I think the fact that we'd come together with these 40, 40, 40, 30 odd players, forty players, and there wasn't an there's so much luck in being selected. You know, there's an element of luck. So you're you you are playing for those boys at home, but you're playing in something that's just it's almost a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You, you don't know if you're going to get again, and I think that gives you an extra incentive, extra motivation, family at home, all those kind of things. You're going to go that extra extra mile because you don't get that opportunity again. One night in
1: heaven, one night heaven, one night Robert,
3: would you, and Luke, would you think about it, say it was an option for just just a, just a one-year, to say, like, the cycle, it wasn't a four-year cycle at Team GB, it was a three and then a one. So, like, for the late year leading into the Olympics it was a team GB uh, training squad and the team GB team on the World Series and then after the Olympics it goes but for three years goes back to Wales England Scotland what would you think of that what you think of that for an idea
4: what do you think of that <laughs> yeah I mean you wouldn't turn it down you know like again it's 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 a it's a chance to to play with a, another team and like like common sense prevails with that you would think that you'd get more time to play together those Connections between each player would, would be would be better and stronger. But then, I'd probably think, I mean, this is a negative aspect. But I'd maybe be worried. Geez, I'm maybe not going to get a chance to play as much. You know, mm-hmm. you, know you, go, you go out to like we went we went out to Rio, and in all honesty, like uh, the the games, I didn't I didn't enjoy. You know, because you're playing five and six minutes, and from a personal point of view. I, I, we were we were defending most of the time, so I hardly touched the ball, and and because of that, that ended up being the reason why I played another year because I was disappointed with the actual performance on the pitch. Yeah, you come away with a medal, but you know you're not getting a chance to. It's a bit like you, Chippy, you love run with the ball. You know if you don't get a chance to do that, you don't you don't feel like you've played played your part, um, and that would be my worry. It would be that if I was going into it, you'd have no control. So you either do it or you don't and you'd have to buy into it and go to it but I'd be worried about not getting the chance to play the minutes I'd want to play to give to get myself playing the way I, I, you know that you can play I feel I feel always
3: I'm with you on that Rob I feel so much better as a player when I've in the season when I've been playing consistently, so I'm playing every, I'm playing in most games, like every like good like nine ten minutes in most games, and then coming off, and I feel like I just get my touch and feel better, and maybe that like, then I wouldn't give a fair representation of myself if I'm in a team where it's like, oh well. Like we go back to the last Olympics, it was like me and Rodders like, uh, going half and half. Like I'm getting seven minutes and then you've got to think about the mental element. Are you trying too hard in those seven minutes? Are you doing your own game? Are you giving yourself justice? And sometimes the game doesn't go that way, does it? You don't get the ball, you have to defend and yeah, you don't get shot. Yeah, it's a good point.
2: It's a unique sevens challenge anyway, isn't it? Trying to get in your groove in a 14 minute game. But then actually if, that, if you're only looking at five or six minutes, it's a real like psychological challenge. It's really, really tough that you don't see in 15s and many other sports. To be honest,
4: you are prone to forcing it and doing things that you wouldn't necessarily do. Whereas I, quote, I thought I did think Simon was good at that in terms. Of he says, "Listen, this is your role." Like for me, he said, "Mark, if you get yourself a first receiver, don't try and do too much. Just stand still and pass the ball because that's not where you're strong." You know, but sometimes, sometimes you need to be told that. You know, and I think the best, the best coaches are able to give. Give their players clarity and give themselves the, the roles and responsibilities so that you stick to those things and and, and play to your strengths. Robert, this is not a job interview. Pissed,
3: Stop <laughs> talking
4: Simon up. He's not listening. He doesn't listen to the pod, mate. He went on social media and it was a bit awkward. I thought, is that one of the boys on social media <laughs> posting for him because there were some dodgy posts? Yeah,
3: it wasn't. I wish it was me. I'd have absolutely loved I'd have gone to that <laughs> one. And then I'd have been I'd have been in the same position about I am now anyway. No job. <laughs>
0: Here we go. Here we go. Right. So, so Mark's throwing his hat in the ring for Tokyo. Luke, let's talk about you or what the chances of seeing you make a late run. You've got a bit of unfinished Olympic business, even though things are going great guns for
2: you with Ospreys and, and Wales, hopefully more in the future. For those who don't know, uh, definitely one of the best players in that season, probably multiple seasons and certainly during that GB uh, training camp. Um, played out your skin, mate, and uh, and unfortunately picked up an injury, didn't you? Which ruled you out of selection. The timing of that
5: injury. Yeah, I think um, obviously like four years ago it was uh, probably one of the darkest times in my rugby career. To be honest, um, I remember saying then like I was standing at hospital with parents, and I was like, I was like, I will go to the Olympics in four years' time, kind of thing. All right, you, you say at the time, and I remember it was coming up this year, and I was seeing like right, you know it's getting close now. Some chats with you know coaching staff with Wales like if you want a tournament and it's just kind of thing. Like, like what have I achieved in the past four years I've got a Welsh international cap i signed with regional rugby and then I'm thinking like right where's where's my priorities going kind of thing you know I was thinking if I try and go for the Olympics I was out of contract um, next year so I was thinking you know I want to go into the, in my second year now with Ospreys firing all cylinders don't really want to miss any pre-season and stuff so I was thinking, what's, what's the best opportunity for me? But it's it's a weird one. Like, I would love to. It's, it is, like you say, it's unfinished business, really. Um, getting so close, you know, getting in the GB camp and getting so close and getting injured. Um, it's definitely unfinished business. And it was, yeah, definitely something I, I was considering doing, kind of thing, you know?
3: Be good, it'd be good to see you there, Monty. Yeah, it'd be nice to be there as well.
5: But... <laughs> <laughs> for-
0: 44 tries in 2018, by the way, on the series. Only Colin with 49 got more. (laughs)
5: Um, He only played half a season, I
0: think. (laughs) 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 He still beat me. (laughs) Luke, um, do you think, would Ospreys have supported your decision if you wanted to go to Tokyo this year or indeed in the future? Are the regions on board with players going and getting involved, do you think?
5: Um, yeah I think there was definitely I think there's a few of us that you know we were had uh, chats with them and stuff like that um, I think definitely Tip, Justin Tipperick uh, Crossy stuff like that was having chats as well so I think it's definitely something you know it happens every four years it's, it's you know it's a kind of a pinnacle thing of your career kind of thing so um, it was definitely something that they would support um, it was a tricky time because obviously we was going swapping coaches so obviously our coach was leaving and he's having a new coach now so it was a tricky one, kind of like do ask him, but he's not going to be there, kind of thing. So, he was asking back and stuff and stuff like that. And it's definitely something that was, they was, you know, forward for us to, to do and wouldn't stop us doing it. It's unfinished business for me, and it's it's something I'd love to do, you know. Oh, Tipperick could be good, wouldn't he? Woo. <laughs> yeah, I remember he came into the into the Combsworth. He came in. It's like I say he's one of the guys who played played a couple of years back and. He
3: hadn't played for years. He came back in, and he's such a skillful player. He's silky. He's silky, isn't he everything. He's got. He's got everything that lad. Blue head guard, decent <laughs> <laughs> rugby. I think it's all in the legion. You know?
0: Robo, who are some of the Scottish players that you wish had hopped across to play a bit of sevens during your period? Who do you think would have lit it up from the fifteen
4: side? You never got the chance to shine with you. Um. There's a few, there's a few like Max Evans. Max Evans is a quality player, and all he's uh, he's good on tour as well. You know this this is important. Yeah, something somebody can bring on tour. <laughs> uh, but there's not there, there aren't a huge amount. It's a the sevens are, It's tough because you have to have a, like rule specific qualities. You know you. Like you have to have like for the guys that come in, they're they're going to make a difference. You have to have real pace, or your skill set has to be brilliant. But I mean, look at look at Sunny Sunny Bill Williams for example. You know, he came in and but he just did a job. You know, he wasn't it wasn't amazing. And I think that that's for me is what what the sevens is is missing at the moment to 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 really show it in the in the light that it should be shown. And you need uh Sunny Bill Williams, a Brian Habana the honey badger to come in and, and, and see that they're not actually lighting the lighting the stage up to show the level of the sevens players. And unfortunately at the moment on the series we're missing that. You know, we want we need to have these like big names come in. But uh, like I think they don't come in now because they know how difficult it is. You know and and there's not that financial incentive for them to come in. So until there's a financial incentive, it's rare that people are going to risk their, their name and their, it's almost their brand to come in and and, and fail.
2: That is, that's something that uh, and I I'm aware that during this whole GB conversation, not just tonight, but generally, it sounds like I'm banging the drum for it, and I'm really not. And it, there's loads of things why it it might not happen, and there's loads of difficulties around it. But one of the things I fear is that we're going to have three home union sevens teams, sevens programs, basically scraping by. Like we know Wales haven't funded it properly. We've experienced loads of cuts over the last few years and, and you know, comparatively probably still doing all right. But it's only going one way. Let's be honest with the, the financial situations of all the unions at the moment. Scotland were question mark whether they were going to can it completely a while ago. Like who knows where their finances are going to be going forward. And I just fear that we're looking at a sevens picture in this country, in Britain, I mean, where we've, we're going to have sevens on its knees scraping by with these programs. And that's, I guess, what's leading me to look towards an alternative.
4: Yeah, I mean, and I think that's, that, that is the one where the, the GB alternative becomes a massive positive you know if it's the case that financially it's not viable for the for the three unions to be putting out individual teams and we can put together a, a GB team without losing everything, obviously that's a huge huge positive and and you get a stronger team from it um, and I think that's that's probably the, the the strongest point for it mitch you know and and as you're saying, especially at the moment, the state with the virus and stuff like that that it, it might it might come down to that.
0: Right. Boys, I think there's been quite a lot of rugby. A lot of good rugby chat, but I want to hear some tour chat. Let's talk about Moscow. Tell me what happened in Moscow on the court session when GB were all together. <laughs> no one talks about Moscow.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> KGB rules. Robbo wants to talk about it because he was on the uh, you were one of the judges, weren't you? Uh, I was
4: very very quiet. To be fair, Chippy is is in his absolute element.
5: Element. Chippy Chippy was in the corner drink, drinking a Yorkshire tea.
3: Gotta get it in, you mate. Stay <laughs> hydrated. That's why I left the nights.
5: You know, he even he
4: even pepper sprayed himself.
3: That <laughs> <laughs> was in uh, Poland, wasn't it? That was a bleak. That was a bleak night. That was me sitting in the bath. Cubby spraying me down, just not been picked for the Olympics. Simon coming in. I can't see anything. I've got pepper spray everywhere. I'm so red. And Simon's taking a picture and I've told Simon to F off and I've told him that this is worse than not getting picked for the Olympics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it,
3: was, it, was, it was bleak. It was bleak. It was bleak. I not- think uh, that image of me in the airport, yeah, the next day with the sunglasses <laughs> on, I think that will that. Was, that That'll resurface.
2: Good. <laughs> get that on the Seventh Heaven Instagram. For you boys, the Scottish and the
0: Welsh boys in the minority, was that a pretty special time coming into quite like a heavily laden England environment and making your mark?
5: Yeah, it was. You know, obviously, like when you're on the Sevens trips, you know, you're all staying in the same hotel, but you, you don't really mix with each other. It's, you know, you're all kind of with your own teams and stuff. So, you know, you obviously have the, the chats go there, here and there kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I think it, it was absolutely key. We played that first tournament and then everyone was literally just on the piss and I think that's one of the best ways to get, get get to know people and, you know, within minutes it was like banter flying around, wasn't it, and it was, it was something special, you know, like every, literally it was everyone just bonded straight away kind of thing and wake up the next morning and then everyone just chilled out with each other and it's, it, was, so yeah, it was a special, special time, really.
4: What was it? I... like? <laughs> yeah.
5: When we first came in, remember
4: it was it was
3: awkward for five ten minutes. But <laughs> <laughs> you boys, the Scottish lads, are just fucking. You had a ball to yourselves on the other side of the pitch, not talking to anyone. Hey, fuck these English bastards! <laughs> Let's go home. I'm not dying for these bastards. And
4: then you had like I was. It was the misconceptions that you have of, of the of the boys that, as you said, you played you played against them for so many years, and there's like, all right, mate, all right, that's about it. And I thought Mitch and not Mitch. Uh, I thought Norton was the, the quietest guy in the world. Genuinely, I have never ever met somebody louder than Dan Norton and more annoying than Dan Norton. But he's got the, he's got this ability that he's got a, he's got this little bit of likability that stops everybody from knocking him out. Rodgers Rodgers pinned him against the wall once, did he not? But jeez, that was the, that's the
2: biggest misconception I've ever had. What was your best memory of that like GB build up period then?
5: Chippy having a scrap in training. <laughs> we're not t- We not
4: It was funny. Not not to get involved, just so I could get a better close-up look of it. What was going on? There were just <laughs> <I> think- <laughs> arms
2: everywhere. It, it would have been, cr- cr- been the safest fight to be in, wouldn't it? Chippy. Really <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Cro- Cro- Crossy ran over from doing his fitness to get involved. <laughs> oh he ain't gonna do much. <laughs> no. Oh no, it's chaos! Go on, Robbo. (laughs) Ignore, ignore
4: Mugsy's stupid (laughs) question. It's it's too it's too hard to like uh, to to put one point down. And the build up um, that the game the game that uh, that that we won down in Saracens. So with that final we played in was I really enjoyed that final. It was it was close. It was tough. But there were a lot of Scottish boys involved in the team that won, so I was just that. Uh, but afterwards, mate, it was that it was afterwards. You know, after the games finished, we had that we had that five days, and they were the, they were the awesome things because the group were the, the group were really close. But you just you just went around with different groups, like sometimes you'd go around with Bibbs and Nort or whoever. Yourself, Mitch would go to different sporting events, but it would always end in a booze up. You know, I would feel we'd be like, ah, oh, we're not going to have many tonight. And then we'd have a few, we'd have a few mid-afternoon and then it would just go on and go on and go to GB House, just go to different places. And yeah, I think after it was a pretty unique time because there were no coaches there. No coaches, no, we had one, we had one member one member of staff, the analyst, and uh, he was a cool dude as well. You know, I just, Coops wasn't gonna do anything, was he? Coops wasn't gonna. <laughs> Some of the fi-
3: one of the finest blokes ever. Coops. Mate, Coop
2: shit. I made Coop shit, shit himself up because um, it was one of those nights where you end up around Rio, and I I'd met up with a mate, and we were in a favela, which and like doing a a mid uh, sunrise
3: hike. It was all very wholesome,
2: very spiritual. Uh, f-
3: I thought you were going to say a photo shoot or something there. No, a new top off.
2: <laughs> well, it was, mate, some great snaps. I'll, I'll put them on. I'll send you after this. Um, but Coop, we all had tracking on our phones, didn't we? And Coops is getting these messages through on his phone, being like, "One of your players is in a in a red zone." Like security was being called. Poor Coops he's the only member of staff there trying to look after half the blokes that like Robbo's smashed for five days straight, and he's trying to look after everyone. And there I am in a in a security red zone. It must have been a nightmare for him. He didn't enjoy that at all. <laughs> Lads, thank you so much for joining us. Like,
5: uh, nah, it's been a pleasure, boys. A yeah, cheers. Thanks level, for giving up your Friday night. Connecting
2: and having a, having a natto is awesome. And it'd be nice to do it actually in person at some point soon. But yeah, thanks for giving up your time and giving us your expertise. Well, lad, but thanks for everybody, guys. It was good fun. It'd been a pleasure, boys.
1: One night and heaven, one night one heaven, one night in heaven. They both spoke
2: really well. Really enjoyed Robbo's point about... Uh, you know, the potential performance advantage of doing the late, the late coming together, which I guess is what Scott Hastings was getting at already, but which I sort of shot down. I just think, it, you know, it's, it's a really interesting point in sport in general. Is it about what you can control and the plan? Because you think it is, but then what about the intangibles, which so well, often deliver success?
0: Well, I, I think back to that Olympics, I think of New Zealand. Like New Zealand were destined to win the Olympic gold for 10 years because of all that success. But, you know, they become stale and other teams had evolved. (laughs) I know that they they weren't hands down the best side in the world, but they are historically an unbelievable competition side and they were nowhere. So being together for four years, does that necessarily make you a better team than a side that is brought together and you've got a fixed period of time to perform, to bond and achieve a mission? It makes it that much more intense.
3: Yeah, the, the right points made, Pernsey, but then at the same time, that just shows you what Sevens is about. New Zealand, within the first game, had two two players out for the rest of the tournament. Who was, it was, it was, it was, it was the injuries?
2: Bill and Joe Webber. Two, two of their main players at that point.
3: Yeah, the main players. So like, um, It's massive as well. Then you're down to 10. you You'd like, oh, you, they could, you had a reserve. That was the first tournament you had a reserve in, but still, like, it's not, it's not the same. Uh, the whole feel of the squad goes, Mitch, you you the were there. The two
2: things that don't stand up in that argument is, is, one, teams won't make those mistakes again. They won't make the mistake of disrupting their teams of 15s, guys that aren't right, and making late selections like we saw in the USA, which didn't really work out well for them either. Um, that won't happen again. Teams will be wise. The other thing... Um, is that we talked about the scheduling, like scheduling is going to be geared up around just making things fit. They're not going to be catering for a GB side to have warm-up tournaments, you know, team camps where they can come and train together. There's, you know, time for the after the World Series to bond a new team. Like that's that's not going to happen every, every Olympic cycle. That really surprises me, your
0: statement about teams not bringing 15s players in, because from the feeling I've got across the series and and chatting to Ben Ryan, particularly when I asked him the same question, he was all for it. He was all about bringing players in, giving them the opportunity, you know, bringing in their expertise that may be deficient in other areas of the side. And he said that they can get up to speed. But by the sounds of things, you're you don't think that's going to happen again. You think it's too disruptive.
3: Ben Banjo say the first name on his list would be Maro Toje?
0: Well, no, for, for England, if he was going to bring, um. If he was going to bring 15s players in. But I think that he mm. was talking about players like Leonie
3: Nakarawa. Yeah, who's he's he's different gravy though, that guy. He's quick as well as massive. Yeah, but
0: you could argue that the players that were brought in for Rio, Sonny Bill Williams, Brian Habana, they are different gravy in terms, in Quay, terms, Quay in Cooper. terms
2: of 15s. Quay Cooper, X Factor, they but they just failed, so. We've got to be careful not to lump, you know, all players in the same boat. But the point is there's a, obviously you can bring 15 guys in to boost a, a squad in a seven squad, but they've got to be the right sort of players. And I don't just mean in terms of skill set. I mean, personality because personality and mindset, because we've talked, we've talked about already on this pod, some of the challenges of, of sevens. And if you can't get your head around the fact that you're going to come on and in seven minutes, you've got to get going and, you know, deliver basically on the one time you'll touch the ball. Um, that then you're not, you're not going to be much good. Like, and I'm sure there. Are, if you really broke it down, there's probably some amazing 15s guys held in really high regard, who don't play for. You know, maybe they go for spells of 40 minutes without really doing anything in a, in a 15s game. Like
3: that. That was an interesting point. Exactly what you just put, touched on there. That Robo said about. Um like having form and consistency and then the negative aspect of that with Team GB being on the series. Like I hadn't even thought about that really. I just thought oh, it'd be better because competition would be better. But then if you think about it, with game time, like for, for, for a fairer selection, is it, is it fair or is it just like elitist? Are you going to play your best players? Or are you going to give everyone a crack? Like this year, like someone like Benny Harris, would he have got the shot to play if we had, like going back to like 2016 squad, say Benny Harris was back then, if you had... Rodders, Sam Cross, Robbo, um, Shaggy. Who else were the props? Like that, that. That's like me, like knocking around, like not being <laughs> baguetted. Like would would Benny, would Benny Harris have got a game ahead of, ahead of like Robbo? Probably not.
2: Yeah, it's a good point. I guess the, argue, the counter would be: could a Benny Harris be blooded on FIRA, on October first tournaments like that? Invitational Dubai. You know, and if any, maybe he progresses quicker, like you don't know, because he's getting more confident. And and actually, Benny's done really well. And to some extent, he's quite an exception in in that respect. Not not saying that we haven't had other youngsters who have gone well, but you know, often you see youngsters as Moxie touched on for Wales, where those boys who are going in, they're losing regularly, you know, and they and they don't necessarily flourish because they're not necessarily given the support. This whole this whole discussion
0: with Robo and Luke has really sparked a lot of thought in me uh, of a, something that I felt that I'd made a decision on. The argument that there would be more consistency, players will have played together more if there was a GB side for the four years in between the Olympics. That might actually be incorrect because you say the fear of tournaments, you have England, Scotland, Wales, and you have young players playing in there. But how many opportunities are they then going to get in the main big boy team? Do you end up chopping and changing the GB side across tournaments to give all these players the best opportunities against the top opposition and therefore in a perverse way end up not playing together as much. And then also that strategy means you're basically writing off the series for four years with the sole purpose of the goal of the Olympics. And A, I don't think that's right. And B, if it goes wrong at the Olympics, then that's
2: four years wasted. Yeah, I don't I'm not sure you'd end up with that because I think in the year building up to the Olympics, you end up with a rotation. So you end up actually probably quite a few of the squad playing decent minutes because you don't want to have the same 14 playing every tournament going all the way through on the Olympic year. So that's different because you probably rotate with the Olympics being the goal. Um, before that, I think you, you have, I, I don't see why there's a, why you wouldn't have the um, focus on that year, whether it's a world cup year uh, or world series that you're, that you're going for. Um You just go all out for that. What a conundrum. It needs to be backed up by, if you're going to do this, it needs to be backed up by some sevens elsewhere, like some good level. I mean, obviously the ideal scenario would be a domestic league. Like if you had a domestic league of sevens, it was good level. Well, exactly. Exactly. Link it up with the clubs. Have like a domestic sevens league. You don't have to play every week. Like, you know, just have it consistently running. So the boys are getting sevens time. It's that's a no-brainer for me. And I don't know why the clubs don't see value in that. I don't it's probably the money thing again, but
3: it's a good it's a really good chat though. It's a good it's a good chat to have. Uh, it is true. The uncertainty of everything at the moment is is just summed up in this whole debate really isn't it if in the supermarket analogy of rugby union me and mitch and yourself Bernsey, when you were playing are shelf stackers and we're waiting for the chief exec like we can we're chatting through shelves about what we think should be best the best way to do it but at the end of the day we have no say no no one listens to us and it's going to happen regardless so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens okay. in the future eh?
1: One night and heaven. One night. One night. Heaven, I want to hear heaven, from
3: what heaven, other
2: people heaven. think. I think there are more voices on this, because all the time people are coming up with different valid reasons of why certain causes of action should be taken. So, it'd be good for people to get in touch, give us a shout.
0: Righto boys. It's Friday night. We've got lives to lead, or at least we'd like our listeners to think that we've got lives to lead. So that's us for the comeback episode of Seventh Heaven. We'll be doing the GB discussion, hokey cokey. Until next time, when we're going to be bringing you another special guest to enlighten you a little bit more about the game that we all love. But until then, from all of us in Seventh Heaven, it is adios.
3: See you then. Bye. Bye. That's super weird. Bye. Bro. <laughs> he came out way <laughs> So you, we're all we're all sat in geography. You've got a class project. You're stuck in there. You're looking over. You see the smelly Scotsman and you see the angry Welshman. And you're thinking, oh, don't put me in a group with them. But you never know. You might produce a masterpiece. You might flop. Who knows what's coming up in the future? But you're stuck in a group together. No one knows. Going in the group, out of the group. Let's see what happens.
1: <laughs>